Ever heard the claim that writing down goals makes you 70% more likely to achieve them? This statement, often attributed to a non-existent study at Harvard or Yale, is actually a myth. Welcome to our podcast, proudly brought to you by VPA Australia, our trusted supplement provider since Unity Gym started. As sponsored athletes, we're excited to offer you a special 10% discount on top quality supplements that ship worldwide. Just use our discount code from the description. To avoid international shipping fees, contact VPA and tell them we sent you to get a flat shipping rate. Today's episode is also sponsored by the Flexibility Blueprint. Ever felt lost in the sea of social media fitness advice? The Flexibility Blueprint is your map to progress, designed to help you get laser focused on what matters most for your journey in flexibility and strength. And guess what? It's free. Grab it using the link in the description. If you're starting your flexibility journey, don't miss our 20-minute mobility routine. It's your first step to quick wins in flexibility. For those further along, use our Flexibility Masterclass, featuring advanced techniques like loaded stretching and end range strength for the pancake, front splits, middle splits, and more. Links for both are also in the description. And for the seasoned athletes, avoid the frustration of complex training puzzles with our UMS Tribe membership. It's a different online coaching experience with strength and flexibility combined. Don't forget, we're Amazon affiliates too. You can find all the equipment used in our videos and podcasts at the most competitive prices with our affiliate links in the description. Now let's dive into today's episode. I recall that we first stumbled upon this when we used to listen to motivational uh, compilation videos that were that were uh, on YouTube. I don't know, do you remember that, Rad? Absolutely. Yeah, we, we used to listen to those videos when we were training in the gym. There was a period of time when we were working to, when we were really actively trying to reprogram, not trying, we were really actively reprogramming our brains that when we'd become aware of this stuff that we're talking about in the peak performance uh, process. And we were, we said, okay, every time we train, we're going to put on one of these videos. And there's some really good videos. There was a period of time where I accredit them to some really positive change in our mind where you can get these very, I don't even know the people's names, but they're, they're motivational speakers in America. I know that they're highly sought after. And when you listen to them, it's really, really cool stuff. So I absolutely remember what you're talking about there. So I started using clips that I heard during these videos in social media. And then there was a period where I wanted to write an article about this study that, there was, that was quoted a number of times by different motivational speakers. I definitely recall Zig Ziglar as one of them, that there was this Harvard business study done on graduates who they tested years later in their career to see how successful they'd become. And they concluded apparently in this study that the, those who uh, during graduation wrote their goals down were 70% more likely to achieve them. Now that sort of study is well documented and you can usually find it somewhere. And then, you know, I wanted to quote it. I couldn't find it anywhere. And what I did dig up was a woman called uh, Dr. Gail Matthews, who was working out of the Dominican University in California. And she had gone down the same rabbit hole where she had wanted to find that study to do some work on it, to do a peer reviewed um, uh, piece of research on the study. And after a massive search, after contacting both Harvard and Yale, because sometimes it's attributed to Yale, uh, 
she concluded that it was it didn't exist and both of those universities universities said it definitely wasn't con conducted here so if it does exist it's from a completely different university and people have misquoted so what she did was she uh, conducted her own research at the Dominican University. She's a, a, a PhD professor in psychology and a very smart woman. And she essentially discovered that just writing the goal down doesn't help that much at all. It's, it's like, very similar to what we spoke about in the previous episode about the secret, which is just, what, what, what did the secret used to say? Think, believe, achieve? Um, was it something like that? It Think, was ask, believe, receive. Ask, believe, receive, that's right. Uh, so much like the secret really falls short of the most important part. So does this so-called mythical Harvard study, just write your goals down and you're 70% more likely to achieve them. So. Dr. Matthews did a study, and I, I believe, don't quote me on this because I could be wrong, but I believe it went for uh, a number of years, and she split the, the group into three cohorts. One of them wrote the goal down. One of them wrote the goal down and also created a strategy to achieve the goal, and then one group did both of those, plus they enlisted accountability either a group of people or a buddy, a single person. And part of that accountability structure or framework was that they were to revisit the goal with that person on a regular basis. It was either a week or a month. And what she found was that the sweet spot, doing the first two, the group that just wrote them down got the worst result, obviously. The group that wrote the, um, the goal down and created a strategy to achieve it got a much better result, but the group that did all three got a much better result. And I don't recall the exact figures. I believe it was a minimum of 30% and a maximum of up to sort of 60, 70%. You have, if you want to dig it up, I'm sure a Google search will find the numbers precisely. But, and, and I've written about this uh, prior. And this sort of really piqued my, um, my interest because you know like we said with this the secret of creating a vision you know then creating a vision board because it's about reprogramming your mind you have to have repetition rad and i took the vision board one step further and 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 our goals and our purpose and our mission and we created uh i think we called them uh was it was it commands right what did we used to affirmations. read every day? affirmations affirmations so effectively we take everything that we've put together and then look at ways to create you know look at the areas that we're going to be really weak in and create affirmations that we could read daily to reprogram our mind in an area that we were underperforming and it's that repetition 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 that really created the result for us now, it's the same with this goal strategy. We took it one step further because what we found was training people in Unity Gym, writing goals down, having, you know, the good thing about Unity Gym was that we had the accountability group because we were all a, uh, a tribe of like-minded people doing the same or similar exercise in the same groups uh, and, and all striving for the same results. And that created this incredible accountability group. And we like to call it, 
you know, nowadays that in hindsight, we've really identified what worked so well. And we've recreated this in our UMS tribe membership, which is we have a triple tiered accountability system. First of all, we have expert accountability, which is the coaches. That's Rad, myself and our coaching team. And we are helping from a, a place of expertise, you know, experience, uh, study, research, and our own personal anecdotal training experiences. Then we've got our alumni accountability tier, which is people just like you, but they're a few years ahead. So they've done the things that you're trying to do right now. They've, they've walked the journey that you're just embarking on now. And they chime in a lot and help. And we've even got a uh, alumni group in our uh, UMS membership that get exclusive access to Rad and I because of the amount of help they give to our group. And it encourages this, you know, top down learning system. And then you've got community accountability, tribe accountability. And those are the people walking shoulder to shoulder with you who are on the exact same journey. They're starting at the same time. They've got the same or similar experiences and they are experiencing the growth at the same time. The timing is really right. And that creates a really, really high level of accountability because often you're more comfortable sharing with those people the trials and tribulations, the ups, downs, the wins, the losses, because it's more relatable, you know. Uh, and so that triple-tiered accountability system is very, very powerful. Now, what we learned from having that in Unity Gym was that you can actually hack this system and turbocharge the results by adding a fourth step to Dr. Gail Matthews' research, which just to recap was, first of all, writing the goal down. And she actually goes as far as saying, you've got to write it down regularly. So every month you've got to kind of rewrite the goal down and what it means to you and the progress you've made. Then you've got to report in with an accountability buddy. And then the third step, of course, is you've got to create a plan of attack. Like you've got to reverse engineer the goal and figure out how you're going to achieve it and then deploy your effort into that strategy, that, that plan. And the fourth step that we've used really successfully is to use an exercise called the five whys exercise, which was actually originally created by the chief engineer at Toyota many years ago to figure out problems that they were having on the assembly line. Uh, and, and rather than just fix the superficial problem, the door isn't straight and is not hinging correctly on the, on the body. Why is the door not straight? Well, the stamp, the, the, the metal press wasn't configured properly. Why was the metal press not configured properly? Because, because the software had an error. Why does the software have an error? Because the coder stuffed up and made a mistake in the base code. So you can see drilling down and they did, they found that by the fifth why you usually got the root cause of the problem. Now we went and deployed that in on a health and fitness level and on an emotional level, what's the deeply rooted emotional driver behind achieving your goal? Why is it so important to you? So I want to lose 10 kilograms. Why is that important to you? Well, I want to look really good in my wedding dress. Why do you want to look really good in your wedding dress? Well, because I want to uh, really knock the socks off. So my partner, you know, thinks that I'm just the hottest thing to ever walk the, 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 the you know, the, um, the earth. Why is that important to you? And it generally, what when you research this, if you if you do a little bit of research, it, it generally boils down to three fundamental uh, reasons. And those reasons, and Rad, you might have to chime in here and help me here because you've got a photographic memory. I don't. Uh, one of them is to avoid pain uh, and or seek pleasure. 
One of them is to avoid uh, to 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 avoid fear. I know I've got them in the actual peak potential planner. Do you uh, do you recall what these are, Rad? I can't actually. I'm trying I'm gonna, to Google I'm gonna it. it. I'm gonna I'm gonna dig it up right now because I do have it in the peak potential planner document here, and uh, I should have probably checked this earlier. But here we go. It is drum roll, please. Yeah, these are these are the fundamental things that motivate people to succeed in in anything. And yeah. it's and and quite frankly, if you don't drill down deep enough to get to one of these, then you are not drilling down far enough. And a lot of people have a little bit of uh, you know an issue with this. They sort of go, well, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with that. So the, I don't the, 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 the three things are it's, it's power or social status. So some people are motivated by power, influence or, or fame. Uh, the second one is self mastery or growth. And the third one is social acceptance. Yeah, there you go. So those are the fundamentally, those are the three things that motivate people. And if you drill down, the, the idea with, with drilling down far enough with anything is that you want to try and come to that point where you recognize, am I doing this because, because of power or social status? Am I doing this for self-mastery or growth? Or am I doing this for social acceptance? And, when, and what that means is social acceptance is actually a really, really common one because it's, it's the idea of it's herd mentality and we're a herd animal. So human beings are part of a herd, we're part of a flock and we want to fit into that flock. People experience real heartache when they're not blending in with their herd. So when people aren't blending in socially well, like we can see it all the time, you can see it with children, especially when children are, are struggling socially, they really, they're not thriving at all and they start to act out. So asking that, why am I doing this? And then answering the question, why do I want that? Why is that important to me? And then answering that question and, and you meant to keep going down until you get to the point where you say, I'm doing this because of power or social status, I want to be perceived in a certain way, or I'm doing this because of self-mastery or growth, or I'm doing this because of social acceptance. I want my herd around me to accept me more, or that can be with your partner. I want my partner to accept me on a certain way. I want my child to accept me on a certain way. And that was a very, very powerful thing because for me, and you can, of course it can be multiple aspects of those, when I did when I did this exercise with my training, you know, and I asked myself why do I want to master calisthenics and movement and flow X, Y, and Z, it came down to self mastery and growth. I'm really, really motivated by self mastery. But it's also tied into uh, power and social status. And that's a hard one to admit to yourself. You know, I'm actually motivated by being perceived socially as somebody who has achieved a high level of physical mastery that's something that's always motivated me when i used to watch i first started my training i was doing martial arts yana and i we talked about this in one of the earlier episodes of this we started martial arts when we were very young but 
when people ask me how long did you do martial arts for, I really say that I started when I was 17 because that's when I started doing kickboxing with Yanni. And very quickly, only about a year later, I started doing Kung Fu. And that's when I really, really, like when we started kickboxing, we really went for it. We were training um, five days a week, six days a week. But when I started Kung Fu is when I really got started on a path that I didn't stop. I, uh, it, it led me right through to my 30s. I, I, I was very dedicated to it. And I was motivated by, when I look back at that time, I was motivated by self-mastery and growth. That was one thing. But I was also motivated by the social status because I used to, I would watch Kung Fu movies and I was, I was inspired by Bruce Lee and Jackie Chan and Jet Li. They were, my, they were my biggest idols when I was a teenager and through my 20s. And I really, I was really motivated by being that person that other people would look up to because of what I've achieved. And I didn't realize it at the time because we did this exercise when I was in my 30s. So I didn't realize what it was that was motivating me at the time. But when, when I drilled down, when Yanni, Yanni was the one that uncovered all this stuff and, and I did the exercises with him. And that's what came up for me. Yeah, the, the reason why this is so important, and, and this is really where I want to take the discussion, is because, especially around health and fitness goals, you know, losing, and I'm, I'm using this, this framework because it's a very common one. I want to lose weight by X because of Y, you know, and I did this training camp with my mother years ago when my sister, when Rad and my sister was getting married. And it was the most successful my mother had ever been with losing weight. You know, she came to me when I was still working at Fitness First and she trained with me for about four months and uh, she lost about 16 kilos and looked amazing for the wedding. And Which is about the, 35 or 36 pounds. Yeah, that's right. And she, you know, she, she was an older woman. So at the time she was, you would say, sort of middle-aged. But so it's a little bit more tricky because she had, didn't have a history of exercise and things like that. And the thing is, she as soon as the wedding was over, she re rebounded and put all the weight on and some, you know, and we did it in a, in a pretty good sustainable way. It wasn't like a fad diet. It wasn't anything radical like that. The problem was that this goal of losing weight for the wedding to fit into this special dress and look great, that isn't enough when things get tough because you can easily say, look, it's just a wedding, you know, what, like, what am I doing? Torturing myself. Uh, it's going to be over and then whatever, you know, but if you really drill down on one of those and get and arrive at one of those key fundamental, deeply rooted intrinsic motivators for, for, for humans in general, then it's hard to escape that. You know, if you're really, really wanting to level up uh, your social stat status or uh, you're wanting, you, you know, there's a deep rooted fear of rejection and, um, you know, whatever it is that you arrive at, that's a very hard thing to hide from because it's ne it never goes. It doesn't end after the wedding. It doesn't end after you achieve the, you know, you run the marathon or you, uh, you, you're, you, 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 uh, you achieve your middle splits finally. You know, it, it's always going to be there because when, you, you know, if you're, if you're looking for social status or if you're on, on a quest for leveling up and, and, and uh, per, like growth, mastery, then there's always another level you can take it to, you know. 
uh, there's always someone who's more respected than you. There's always someone who's more more flexible than you that you will want to challenge or keep up with, you know. And in, in, and the same goes for when you're trying to appeal to the opposite sex or you, you'd root that down to social status, you know, or fear of rejection. You, you, you know, it, it doesn't end. You don't arrive at a destination. And that's the most important thing with a really important goal. You want to try to create something that is going to, you know, really motivate you. That's going to be a burning desire that's deeply rooted in the core of your value system in your your purpose in your life's mission and uh and and you know if you can if you can achieve that watch what happens watch what happens with your motivation with your consistency with your results at the end of the day yeah absolutely the knowing your why and being clear on why these things are important to you is 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 a crucial part of this process it's actually something that takes took me a little bit of time it wasn't something that came to me easily i had to ask myself over and over and over why am i doing this and it's quite a it's quite a empowering experience i actually when i joined the army when i was 30 so i'd practiced kung fu right through my 20s and then i joined the army when i was 30 and there were many reasons i joined the army the main reason was really to get some more direction and clarity and focus on what I was doing. But a part of it, my Sifu, which means teacher in Kung Fu, he said to me, he said, look, Rad, you don't seem to be applying yourself in the way that you used to. And you're certainly not applying yourself in the way that's going to take you to the next level with your training. And he encouraged me to take a break from Kung Fu for six months and decide whether this is still what I wanted to do. And he'd never done that before. In the past, it was always, you need to train more, you need to do this. And so when I joined the army, I used that as an opportunity to really think about whether I wanted to continue with this thing that I'd already devoted so much time to. And I went through, when I got out of the army, especially because in the army, I was just consumed with being in the army and didn't have much time to, well, I had plenty of time, but I didn't have much energy to think about other stuff. But when I got out, I definitely spent the first year when I was back with Yanni and I was being a personal trainer again, thinking, do I want to give up on Kung Fu? And do I? And the way that my mind went was, because I was 34 when I got out, so the way that my mind was thinking was, do I want to just accept that my best years are behind me? Because when I got out, I'd, I'd fractured my spine in the army. I was in a lot of pain. My lower back was hurting all the time. I hope my hips were hurting. And I was thinking to myself, do I want to just accept that my best years are behind me? And I've got lots of pictures of what I used to be able to do. And, you know, I can coach people and I can just be that, that person that's the coach. And it came to me pretty quickly that that's not who I wanted to be. I was not comfortable accepting that fate. And so I started doing Kung Fu again and I really went for it for about two years. But it became obvious pretty quickly that it wasn't Kung Fu anymore that was motivating me because I was still finding the lack of motivation that I had before I joined the army. It was still there. It was very hard to motivate myself to be doing these training sessions to keep pushing myself to get to that next level with Kung Fu was something that I was already good at. 
And that's when, for, for many reasons, I decided to start pursuing calisthenics. And the pursuit of calisthenics led me to meet Ido Portal and work with him. And then that opened my mind up to this idea of, of movement training, where it wasn't like you, you're either doing martial arts or you're doing weightlifting or you're doing calisthenics, but you could actually do movement training. And that was really the birth of the UMS. That's when we started blending strength and flexibility training together and weightlifting and calisthenics. And, you know, it was a, it was a realization for me that I was still very motivated to train. I just wasn't motivated to keep doing Kung Fu anymore. And that was because that when I started doing this why exercise, I realized that I'm very motivated by self mastery and growth. That's a that's a huge motivation for me. And there wasn't the same opportunity for self mastery and growth in Kung Fu as there was in things that I'd never done before. And I'm really happy that I went through that exercise and I made that distinction. Because I've grown so much as a person in the past 10 years and physically I've developed so much strength. I, I'm completely pain free now because I pursued learning how to really better myself and, and master this body of mine rather than just staying tunnel visioned on, on Kung Fu and on martial arts. And I've seen a lot of people who didn't, it, this is my observation, people who now in their 40s and 50s have been doing martial arts for 30 years and who didn't make this distinction at a time that would have served them better than making it in their 50s. And they're, they're, they're quite lost with their practice. They're so dogmatically committed to whatever the martial art is that they're doing. And it's usually a traditional martial art because traditional martial arts like Kung Fu and Karate and Taekwondo and things like that, they... That the teachers are very dogmatic, you know, it's almost like a religion and they, they teach you that you have to train for three hours a day. And if you've got a fourth hour a day that you can find, then it needs to be more into your martial art because that's the only way you're going to get your 17th Dan. And it's, I, I see that when they, when they come to the UMS and they come to us because they haven't been able to unlock, it's usually with martial artists, it's usually flexibility. They haven't been able to unlock the splits, yet they've been doing Taekwondo for 30 years. And you can see that there's a real disparity between where they are and where they want to be, and, but they haven't yet learned that. They're not going to find that in martial arts. And, it, and it's quite incredible because for me, this was a real eye-opener for me. It was when Ido Portal explained this concept to me. And he talked about zone one, zone two, and zone three learning. And I know I'm digressing a little bit here, but I'm just giving context as to where I, how I became clearer on my goals and what motivates me. And the idea of zone one learning is when you're doing something that you can't do at all. It's like, the, it's like picking up three balls and trying to juggle for the first time. That's zone one learning. Zone two learning is where you're doing something that you have some competence, competency in, but you're not a master yet. You haven't mastered it. So there's a lot of stuff we do that's zone two learning. And then zone three learning are the areas where we're very competent in. So not necessarily mastery, but very close to it. And guess where most people spend most of their time? It's zone three. People like to stay in that zone of the brain. It's, it's, it's brain and reflex that we're talking about here because it's, it's comfortable. 
it, it doesn't take you out of your comfort zone. And we used to see this in Unity Gym a lot. You'd see people come in and do their first session who were already very good at CrossFit or very good at weightlifting or very good at yoga. And it was very, very hard for them to, to, to recognize that this thing that they weren't good at yet was their greatest opportunity. And Ido Portal was the one that opened my eyes up to that. He, he said, you should be actively seeking zone one learning regularly. You should be finding things that you're not good at and still spend time in all three zones. He's not, his message wasn't forget the thing that you're already good at, but actively seek out zone one learning. And that was a real revelation for me. And that was when I really truly embraced this Shoshin concept, which is this idea of, of embracing being a beginner. That when you go, and we used to see this at martial arts, Yanni, you might remember this being in, in boxing even, where you'd see somebody come in from a different school or a different discipline, and you could tell that they were good in their school, that you could tell that they were in karate, they were good, or in kickboxing, they were good, or in kung fu, they were good, but they came into boxing, and they're not good now. They're not good at boxing. And I remember seeing these people in Kung Fu all the time and they, and they would only come for one or two sessions and their ego just couldn't handle that in this place, they weren't the senior student and they would go back to where they were comfortable. Do you remember seeing people like that? Yeah, absolutely. In, in martial arts schools. And I'm sure any, anybody, anybody that's a martial artist that's listening to this, have a think about whether you can relate to this. Because I could, when, I, when we talked about this concept, I could actually relate to that that was me at times in my life. There were times in my life that I walked into a new school and I was learning these new techniques and I didn't like being the beginner and I'd leave and go back to what was comfortable for me. Mm. And so, you know, yeah, that was a, that was a big process for me. This, this concept of, of, of recognizing my why, you know, identifying what it was and then massaging what I did in my life to be true to that because I wasn't being true to my why in Kung Fu anymore. I wasn't, it wasn't offering me that same pursuit of mastery and pursuit of personal, uh, of personal growth that I could find elsewhere. And then once I really embraced that it was a good move for me to start learning calisthenics, something I'd never done before, which then eventually led me to movement training. And I started working with some incredible coaches around the world like um, Joachim Hilderson for flexibility and Roy Gold or Roy Goldschmidt for movement training. I, I was really inspired again. It really, really inspired me to, to keep going. So yeah, that's my, that, that, that's my story on, on the why. There's Rad's segue, but there's a reason why he is sharing that. And, and I guess what we want to come out of this discussion is that the truth about goal setting is that it is multifaceted. It is a multifaceted process. It is certainly not just about envisioning success as the secret would sort of suggest. And it is also not about Ziegler's mythical power of just writing your goal down and then you're miraculously going to achieve it, or at least you're 70% more likely to achieve it. You know, it's about creating a clear, actionable plan that, that breaks the goal down into tangible milestones. What we've found is you need to be able to achieve those milestones or at least get close to them in 28-day blocks. For us in the UMS tribe membership, that is a what we call 
a mesocycle uh, of training, which, which consists of four micro cycles. Each micro cycle is seven days or one week. And, you know, once you've got your actionable plan, which would be a reversed engine, reverse engineering, your big 12 month uh, goal, then you need to understand the deeper motivations that are associated with that goal. Why is that goal so important to you? Because just knowing the goal is unlikely to get you through the really tough times or overcome the challenges that are inevitably going to uh, come for you. And then finally, seeking support and accountability. And what we've found is that you want a mix of accountability from experts, so people that you can rely on to give you the answers when you don't have them yourself. You want accountability from alumni, people who are a little bit closer on the journey to you. You know, what I've found is that often, and Rad will back this up, seeking advice from a teacher who's decades ahead of you in development often isn't the best approach because they tend to lose the connection to where you are on your journey. They tend to lose the, the stage that you're at, they, they're less empathetic to your plight, to your journey. And then finally, which is also why it's so important to have tribe accountability, community accountability, because you also wanna lean on people who are walking shoulder to shoulder with you at your level in development right now. You wanna be able to see and compare yourself to other people. You wanna be able to group yourself with other people who are walking the same journey with the same or similar goals. And if you can bring all that together, you'll be shocked at how good goal setting can become. This is the framework that we use in the Peak Potential Planner. It is very, very powerful and it'll exponentially increase the chances of you successfully achieving your goals in 2024. And it's, it's, I'd like to highlight, it's interesting that you say that about the coach being further ahead from you. This is the reason why the people that get the most out of the UMS are people that have already been training for a little while. And that's not that the UMS is only for people who are more experienced. We have people that are absolute beginners that love it. It's just that people that have been training for anywhere from one or two solid years right up to 15 or 20 years, they really gel with the UMS and with what we do because it's like this, they've tried the best, they've tried the rest and now they want to check out the best kind of a thing. And when seasoned investors can sniff out a good investment much better than a rookie. Or yeah, that, a, yeah, yeah, that's a, right. That's exactly and that, right. And, and, well, I say that because you're making an investment in, you know, both with money and time uh, when you buy a, a, an exercise program or employ an exercise coach. Yep. And so, people, people that have been training for a while and have some experience but have plateaued, when they come into the UMS and they see what's on offer and they start getting those results in the first 28 days that they haven't gotten elsewhere, th those people really understand the value of it. Whereas people that are absolutely new to health and exercise, they're still shopping around and they'll jump in the UMS and then they'll cancel a month later because they want to go and try out two or three other apps. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it, it, is, it is an interesting concept, you know, that the, the best coaches are usually the people that aren't light years ahead of you. Guys, we're going to bring this one in for a landing, but you want to tune in to the next episode. The next episode is going to actually share 
why Rad's Kung Fu pursuit of mastering Kung Fu became a real problem for our business. So stay tuned. That's going to be in the third lesson, I believe, which is actually episode four of this series because there was a prelude episode. And uh, yeah, we will see you in the next episode. Have a good one, team.